This episode of What Works is brought to you by Mighty Networks. Small businesses run on community. We buy from businesses that connect us to each other, our neighborhoods, and ourselves. It's the feeling you get when you walk down Main Street or gather at the park for an event. And the same is true online. Today's digital small businesses run on the incredible power of communities coming together across thousands of miles. Mighty Networks gives you a potent tool for bringing your digital community together. Host events, offer courses, curate resources, and connect members to each other. Find out how Mighty Networks can power your community-based business at MightyNetworks.com. What works and what doesn't? Understanding what works. What works for me? Understanding your own business to know what works. What works for you? This is What Works. Systems have a bit of a reputation. And if you've ever thought to yourself, as I have, oh, I'm just not a systems person, you might know what I mean. Often, the way we talk about systems is tangled up in talk about software, procedures, rules, and a sort of legalistic structure for, that's just the way we do things here. When you say, I'm not a systems person, you're likely expressing the kind of claustrophobic feeling that comes from being confined to a set of rules, even if they're rules you created yourself. When you say, I am a systems person, you might very well be expressing the relief that having clear instructions and a solid expectation of how a goal is accomplished can deliver. Systems are a way of easing anxiety for you. Now, I can easily find myself in both camps. I might identify as a systems person in the morning and not a systems person by the afternoon. And I've noticed that for me, there's often a moral component to how I'm feeling about systems at any given time. When I'm feeling like a systems person, I get the moral high ground of being someone who follows the rules and does things the right way. And when I'm feeling like I'm not a systems person, I get the moral high ground of being a creative, think outside the box kind of person. Of course, it's just as easy to get down on myself about either side of the moral equation too. When I'm feeling especially systems oriented, I often feel I'm not as creative as I should be. When I'm feeling creative, I often beat myself up for not following the rules. Now, I have no idea if my moralizing about my waffling identity around systems is normal or not, but I suspect that I'm not alone. I bring all this up because I think it's easy to get caught up in moralizing about the way we run our businesses. It's easy to translate this is how we do things to this is the right way to I'm good because I do things the right way or I'm bad because I don't do things the right way. Morality, suffice to say, is also a system. It's a cultural system for understanding what is good and what is bad, as well as what makes someone a good person and what makes someone a bad person. And like every paternalistic either-or system I can think of, moralizing tends to do more harm than good. Maybe you don't see your identity around systems in your business as a moral issue. I might be way off in left field here, but I gotta tell you, I hear a lot of confessions from business owners. They confess that they have procedures, but don't follow them. They confess that they don't have a marketing system. 
They confess that they're so tied to their procedures that they can't think strategically about whether what they're doing is actually creating the results they want. And they confess that they're stuck in analysis paralysis because they're looking for the best system for achieving their goal. In other words, I hear the confessions of people who have perceived sins on either side of systems as a moral issue. So I do know that this anxiety about systems is in the air. And if it's in the air, then we're all breathing it in and it's affecting us in one way or another. Now, systems, of course, don't need to be a moral issue. True systems thinking isn't trying to find the quote unquote right way to do things. Its aim isn't to come up with a set of rules to follow. And systems thinking certainly isn't trying to discern whether you're a good person or a bad person, a good business owner or a bad business owner. Systems just are. And systems thinking is how we understand the systems around us so we can make informed decisions about what we're going to do next and what impacts that decision might have. Today, I have three more contributions to this month's discussion about systems. Each one tackles a different aspect of this idea that systems just are. Writer Mary Beth Huey shares a beautiful definition for systems and how that definition applies to the way she approaches working with her clients. Krista Williams, an artist and system support person for small businesses, shares how seeing businesses as systems has led her to a more holistic approach to business building support. And Amy Koretsky, an acupuncturist and business coach balancing two businesses, shares how she created a care system for herself as an entrepreneur to make sure she has what she needs as her businesses see massive growth. Now, if you'd like to go deeper into systems thinking, I have a new program coming out soon called Think Systems, an Entrepreneur's Guide to Systems Thinking. It will help you see the systems in and around your business, as well as teach you ways of working with them so you can save time, make better decisions, and worry less about your next steps. Go to explorewhatworks.com slash systems and enter your email address to get notified when it lands. That's explorewhatworks.com slash systems systems. Now, enough for me. Let's turn to Mary Beth Huey to hear why she believes systems are a form of civility and how that impacts the way she works with her writing clients. I'm Mary Beth Huey, and I'm a medicinal writer. What the heck does that even mean? It means I help people understand things systematically, and I use the hands-on magic of words to do it. We call that medicine. Thus, I'm a medicinal writer. I don't run around the world calling myself that, even though I just did here, but it's a very specific section of the world, a hashtag safe space, if you will. But medicinal writing is, in essence, what I do. The -the on-the-surface thing I do is help small businesses and solo business owners with their copy. In the end, my process delivers strategic and communicative content, but in the beginning and middle are many prior steps to that deliverable. Those steps are my system. I want to pause here and say I have a reputation when it comes to systems. This is a known about me. In fact, it's even a running joke within my family of origin. Man, I love a good system. I love to make a system. I love to spot a flaw in a system. I love to refine a system. I love to tear down an unjust system. Oh, I love that. I love to stand up to a system. I love to encourage a healthy system. Big lover of systems. 
But it's essential to understand what we love about systems before we start hee-hawing around and implementing them like strip malls and big boxes. I love systems because I love creativity. And appropriate systems embolden and support creativity. To me, a system is a form of civility that we extend to ourselves and each other that says, I so respect your humanity and time that I am arranging whatever this is in this particular way so that we can see clearly what we're doing together, where the beginning and end are, where we are in it. More on this in a moment. But back to the nitty gritty of my writing. When I first began my process with clients and writing about seven or so years ago, I realized, oh, I need a system. Otherwise, I'm going to be in revisions for the rest of my life. And people are going to be unhappy. And I'm going to be bleeding time. My least favorite thing to bleed. So I want to nail my copy down. The first time, each time. I want revisions to simply be a courtesy I'm extending to my clients so they feel comfortable signing on with me. But by the time we get to deliverables, they say, okay, great, perfect, thank you, love you, bye. Not because I need them to think I'm perfect, although it doesn't hurt my feelings, but because I need that time. And if I can build buy-in along the way, why not? So I did. I created myself that system. I'm not just out there in the dark seas harpooning words, hauling them back, like, did I slay the right beast for you? For them to say, no, go try it again. I'm not the conquering hero. Over the years, I have, of course, fine-tuned my system, but I have not needed to tear it down. I've used a couple of tools to help with that system, Acuity, Dubsado, and Zoom, but whatever when it comes to that. The tools are not the system. That's so important, I want to say it again. The tools are not the system. The tools are the tools. The system is the system. Defining what we mean by systems is required to create robust systems that liberate our creativity rather than ensnaring it. And thus, the best system I have found is a system of evaluating systems. I can hear my family laughing at me right now. There are two enemies of the kinds of systems I'm interested in, malice and lack of consciousness. Malice at work in a system is pretty obvious, but I'll go ahead and name it. It's the use of a process to trap creativity rather than to embolden or liberate it. Lack of consciousness means we're not intentionally being malicious, like in the previously mentioned way. But by not applying the fullness of our consciousness to a system, all kinds of unintended consequences are sprouting up and falling down. So we ask ourselves, what is this system, any system, for? That's a really important step to continue to acknowledge every time. The system is in service to the people and the creativity in my world. Those are the bottom lines. And yes, financial health is part of that, but it's not the entirety of it. So in doing this, the most important question I ask myself about my systems follows. Is this constriction or conduction? If the system is built around entrapment, snares, and control, it's a constricting system. If it's built around encouragement, appropriate containment, and in service to people and creativity, it's a conducting system. Doing this will change and often save your life. No small claim, but I stand by it. 
Mary Beth said she sees systems as a form of civility, a structure for, quote, seeing clearly what we're doing together. This resonates deeply with me. As someone who does often err on the side of rule following and passive policy setting, I've often overcorrected by abandoning structure and hoping the magic will just happen. But I've learned there is a lot of fertile ground seeing a system as collaborative, holistic, and structural. Systems don't have to be rigid, but they can be rigorous. Systems don't have to be constraining or paternalistic, but they can be clarifying and a relief for anxiety as we name what's happening and work toward a shared understanding with everyone involved. Keeping that idea that systems are a structure for seeing clearly what we're doing together in mind, let's hear from artist and system support person, Krista Williams. Krista shares how seeing her business as a holistic system helped her to see her work much more clearly. So for me, more than any one system working really well, what has changed my business and my perspective and me has been the way that I understand systems and how that shows up in the strategic decisions I make for myself and for my business. When I was first starting out as a freelancer, I was obsessed with time management and how to get more done in less time and how to use my time effectively. Unfortunately, what actually happened is that I was constantly overworking because I was constantly over-promising and then under-delivering and feeling really bad about myself and feeling really bad about my business. And I kept thinking I just needed to work a little harder. I just needed to work a little harder. And if I could work hard enough, things would turn around. Then I came to a point where I realized I couldn't actually work any harder. I had reached my hard work limit and I needed to do something else. I needed um, more white space. I needed more time to try to fix some of the things that I had overpromised. And I needed more financial stability. So I got a side job. And that started to give me the space that I needed to think about what I was doing from a strategic perspective instead of a reactive perspective. I was working in photography, I was bookbinding, I was doing all these different creative things, but I was actually finding in the midst of this burnout that I actually didn't love doing creative work for clients. It didn't light me up in the way that I thought it would. And that was really frustrating. And that was also part of the reason I knew I needed another option. So the side jobs that I got were actually that I pitched myself as an assistant to a couple of the small business owners that I knew who seemed like they needed help, but also seemed like they didn't, they weren't prioritizing getting help. And I felt like if I could sort of see the behind the scenes of what was going on in their businesses, I could help them. So when I started working with other small businesses was when I really, things started to click that the business itself is a system. 
yes, there are discrete systems that help run a business, but the business itself is a system. Each area of the business impacts every other area of the business. How much marketing you can do impacts how many clients you can get, how much time you have to do marketing has to do with how much time you're spending on your client work. Depending on the different business models you might have, those connections look different, but everything needs to work together cohesively. And if one area is not working, it will impact the whole business and often in ways that aren't completely obvious. So I built a lot of confidence in working with other people because then I could also see that nobody had a perfect business and that that shouldn't be the aspiration. And as I was really solidifying this understanding as about a business being a holistic system, I found Notion and that turned into the tool that could help me make sense of the larger system of my own business. And it could also help me clarify all the things I was trying to do because I could see everything in one place. It was huge for me. It was a small miracle. So shifting from seeing systems as a way to manage my time to a way to understand how my business holistically functions has changed everything about my business. Um, It's changed how I work with clients, what I work with clients on. It's changed my ability to... And I think the most important thing is that I went from making a job for myself to actually running a business and the business doesn't run me. I love the organic way Krista describes approaching her business. Instead of a collected set of rules and procedures governing marketing, customer support, or product development, Krista takes a holistic view on the business as a whole. Systems thinking helps us see that we have an opportunity to utilize our resources in creative and highly leveraged ways. With a careful approach, we can see how investing time in one area of the business can flow into another area of the business without adding more work to our plates. Of course, holistic systems thinking isn't always as neat and tidy as we'd like. Seeing things holistically can get, well, a little overwhelming, if I'm being honest. And once you introduce growth into the equation, well, things can get messy. Just because things are messy, though, doesn't mean there's something going wrong. It simply means that the system is finding a new equanimity, and you're part of that process of shifting and rebalancing. That's why when things get messy or unstable, it's extra important to take care of yourself. You're a valuable component of your holistic business system. Caring for yourself is caring for the business. Business coach and acupuncturist Amy Koretsky shares how balancing growth in both of her businesses means she's paying close attention to what she needs and how she's caring for herself. I'll admit it. I get fraudy feelings when thinking about sharing my systems. See, even though I love a good system, 
I was born with Mercury in Virgo, after all. And even though I use plenty of systems on a daily basis, I still question whether the systems I rely on are exciting enough or life-changing enough to share here with you today. And sure, the repeating task function in Asana has basically replaced my need for my memory, and I rarely go a day without inserting a templated response into Gmail. However, these sorts of systems feel convenient to me, but not necessarily life-changing. So then the question becomes, which one is? But let me give you a little backstory first. I run two businesses, and I've done that for the past four years. In one, I lead a team of exceptional healthcare providers as the co-owner of an acupuncture clinic. And in the other, I help successful but uninspired business owners fall back in love with their businesses using my skills of breathwork, tarot, and intuitive coaching. In my coaching practice, I talk about systems with my clients a bunch. I see systems as an ingredient in the recipe that folks can use to make their work more sustainable, prevent burnout, and rediscover the joy of running a business. A good system helps us simplify decision-making and avoid dreaded decision fatigue, something my partner and I are all too familiar with come dinner time. And I knew that it was time for me to figure out a better system this past spring when I myself was starting to feel the impending decision fatigue born from doing the dual business thing. And here's why. In the course of a few short months over at the acupuncture clinic, a lot happened. We outgrew our current space and began the search for our next clinic home. We negotiated a new lease. We migrated all of our data to a new electronic health record system. We packed up and moved the entire clinic, and we more than doubled our team size. All while I was still supporting private coaching clients on the side. And oh yeah, living through a global pandemic as well. For the first time ever, running two businesses felt like too much. And for the past four years of dual business ownership, I felt like I had the time, the energy, and the flexibility to focus on one business at a time while letting the other coast along, do its own thing. I had long figured out what the term maintenance mode meant before I ever heard Susan Bowles share it here on this podcast. I would fill up my coaching roster with three or six month contracts and then press pause on actively marketing that business while I delivered services and put focus and energy into the acupuncture clinic for a while. Then vice versa. Rinse and repeat. This dual focus model might not be everyone's cup of tea, but it worked well for a while for my easily bored brain. That is, it worked until it didn't. Everything changed when our well-greased acupuncture clinic machine hit max capacity and it was time to grow. Soon, maintenance mode was a thing of the past and acupuncture clinic work was creeping its way into most of my waking hours most days out of the week. The hour-long work-wife meetings that my business partner and I had were quickly becoming two to four hours long. Quick voice notes were becoming extended phone calls at odd hours of the day, and I soon found myself so overwhelmed with work that I wouldn't notice that I hadn't set aside time to make a decent lunch or to get up and move my body. Things that I had once truly considered a priority were quickly becoming put to the side just until the clinic moves. Yeah, we've all heard that before. But as we all know, priorities are only priorities when we prioritize them. And as someone who is still unlearning people-pleasing and hyper-responsibility, I knew I needed more structure to better help me protect my priorities. I needed a system. 
So I sat down and did something I'd honestly done dozens of times before. I made an ideal work schedule. I wrote down the predictable things like the hours I saw patients in the clinic or worked with clients over Zoom. I added in my standing meetings like my work wife meeting or my writer's group. And before I plugged any of that into my schedule, I started with my biggest priority, the hour-long daily walk with my dog, Juniper. You know, as someone who lives with chronic pain, uh, has lived with an autoimmune disease for almost 20 years, and is still healing from major surgery, I learned long ago that my mind, body, and business are inextricably connected, and that if I don't take the time to prioritize my mental and physical health, my business will needlessly suffer too. So taking an hour at the start of my day to move my body, clear my mind, and get into nature is truly my top priority, and I needed to reflect that in my schedule. But like I said, I had made an ideal schedule before. The trick this time was going to be sticking to it. And as I've heard Tara say oh so many times, the system only works when you work the system. But here I was as a complete rebel, notorious at not working my own systems. So the important thing I realized was that having a good functioning system wasn't enough. I needed to see the value of that system at work in order to consistently adhere to it. So I started implementing and gathering data. Every day I'd wake up by 6.30, leash up the dog by seven, and start putting one foot in front of the other every single day. The first few days, I noticed that I was better able to do deeper work with greater focus. By the second week, I noticed it was easier to shut down the laptop and shut down my brain at the end of my workday. Just this past week, I wrote my entire newsletter using voice-to-text dictation during my walk drastically reducing the time that it normally takes me to write, edit, format, and send my newsletter. And as each day went by, I got more and more data showing me the benefits of systematizing my workday and schedule like this. I went from seeing my systemized schedule as a constraint holding me back from my time freedom to a gentle and supportive guide that really just wants to help me stay on track and take care of myself when I need it the most. And while systemizing my schedule in this way might not be the sort of business system that I can directly correlate to increased revenue or higher sales conversions, I absolutely see it as a life system that has drastically decreased my anxiety and increased my mental well-being. And I know, without a single doubt, that when my life works better, my business works better. Mary Beth Huey's description of a system being structure for seeing clearly what we're doing together absolutely applies to the way Amy is taking care of herself, too. She's recognizing the structure that allows her to navigate and relate to her businesses in a way that's mindful of her needs, while also considering the needs of the businesses. And I think that's probably something I could use a little work on myself. And thanks to our contributors for this episode, Mary Beth Huey, living on the ancestral land of the Tutelo people, Krista Williams, living on the ancestral land of the Anishinaabek, Ojibwe, Ottawa, and Potawatomi peoples, and Amy Koretsky, living on the ancestral land of the Dakota and Anishinaabe peoples. Find links to their work in the show notes. Next week, we're starting a month-long conversation about operationalizing our values. When it comes to actually building our values into how we work, taking a holistic systems thinking approach to business is key. 
We need both structure and creativity to live and work in alignment with our values, even when that means doing things differently than the way they've always been done. What Works is recorded on the ancestral land of the Susquehannock people and is produced by Yellow House Media. Our production coordinator is Lou Blazer. Our production assistant is Emily Kilduff. This episode was edited by Marty Seafelt, and Sean McMullen lends the structure we need to see clearly how we're producing podcasts together. Special thanks to Shannon Paris for curating this episode.